We're studying the Lord's Prayer, something that most of us are at least familiar with. We've heard, we've heard it at church before, or maybe you were at a funeral and you heard the Lord's Prayer recited, or maybe other places in life, many times you hear the Lord's Prayer. And last time we learned from Matthew 6 and verses 5 and 6 that God wants us, we talked about He wants us to pray regularly, we talked about that He wants us to pray sincerely, and then we talked about that he wants us to pray privately. God wants there to be sometimes where Psalm 46 verse 10 says, sometimes I need to be still and know that he is God. There needs to be a special place that I spend with God every day, a time and a place uninterrupted that I spend with God. So we talked about that last time. And I mentioned, <coughs> I mentioned to you last time that we were actually, what we were doing was we were taking some teaching that was leading up to the Lord's Prayer. Just before the prayer, Jesus had given some principles that are very important to our prayer life and we're actually going to finish that up tonight or today and then we're going to lead into uh, the, the actual prayer itself but as we start today i want to remind you i want to remind us of the importance of what we're talking about how important is prayer to our relationship with god well the bible says uh, in the book of mark chapter uh, 11 verse 17 that Jesus, when he went into the temple, he began to teach and to say to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? How important is prayer to our relationship with God? Well, he says that it ought to be one of, if not the thing that his people are most known for, is prayer. That's pretty big, isn't it? One very godly man once said this about prayer. Listen to this. He says, we are face to face here with one of the most vital subjects in connection with our Christian life and experience. Prayer is, he said, beyond any question, the highest activity of the human soul. That's a pretty big statement, isn't it? He says, man is at his greatest and highest when upon his knees he comes face to face with God. He went on to say about prayer that it is also the ultimate test of a person's true spiritual condition. There is nothing that tells the truth about us as Christian people so much as our prayer life. Is that convicting to you like it is me? He says everything else we do in the Christian life is easier than prayer. Wow. In fact, in my own life, I find that many times I will do everything else, even good things, before I will pray. Amen? Don't you find that? But maybe we should say we should do nothing else until we pray. In fact, somebody once said this, prayer is not the only thing, but it is the first thing. I must do other things after praying, but this person said I shouldn't do anything before praying. So with that as a backdrop, understanding the importance of what we're talking about, let's continue to learn from the Lord's teaching here on the Lord's Prayer. And I want to read to you out of Matthew 6. We're going to start in verse 7 tonight, pick up uh, where we left off last time, and read through verse 9. Jesus says, And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your father knows or sees what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. 
Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. <clears throat> First thing that I believe Jesus brings up in verse 7, verses 7 and 8, and continue on what we talked about last time, the first thing tonight is he wants us to pray confidently. Jesus says, and when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. Jesus says, and actually it can be translated, do not babble on with meaningless words. Do not repeat over and over words that mean nothing to you. Now listen, Jesus is not saying that we should not pray about something over and over again. Okay, don't misunderstand it. That's not what he's saying. In fact, we're going to find a little bit later in our series here that that's actually a good thing. It's a good thing to be persistent in our prayers. What he's saying is, don't repeat meaningless words over and over again. He says, if you do that, you're going to be like the Gentiles. Now, some of your translations say other things. Tell me what they say. He says, don't, don't repeat meaningless repetition as what? As what? As heathen, okay. Any other translation? Some says pagan, okay. It can also be translated the nations. Jesus says, don't, don't uh, repeat meaningless repetition. Basically, what it's saying is, don't approach your prayer life the way the rest of the world does. What Jesus is really talking about is religion. Now, don't you think about it for just a minute. In the religions of the world, there's a lack of confidence in prayer. Think about that. I'm wondering, when I'm talking to this so-called God in this religion that I'm following, I'm wondering if I'm getting through. Amen? I mean, I'm trying my best to do everything I can And even back during this time, that was the idea of the uh, other religions in the world. It was uh, religion is really about me doing my best to get God's attention. Amen? Isn't that it? I'm trying to earn God's favor. I'm trying to figure out a way that I can get to God. That's what religion teaches us. And so what he says is, let's don't be like the religions of the world that are just saying a bunch of things. In fact, what he was really talking about here is they would uh, continue. It was almost like a superstitious kind of thing. They would continue to kind of say the same words over and over again, hoping that finally they would get their God's attention. Now, there's some actually some exa- examples of that in Scripture. Right now, 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 25 through 29. That was Elijah and the prophets of Baal. You've maybe read that story before. That's exactly what they're doing in that state. They actually went so far as cutting themselves to get the attention of their gods. It's pretty drastic, isn't it? Also write down Acts chapter 19, verse 34. So in religion, you may have to pray certain words, or you may have to pray those certain words a certain number of times until you figure out how to make your God happy. And who can ever know when that is? Amen? I'm trying my best to get through to God. I'm trying to say the right words. I'm trying to say it in the right combination, the right number of times. Jesus says, you as my followers, listen, friends, this is exciting. He says, you don't have to come to me like that. Amen? We don't have to come to God wondering, does God hear my prayers? We don't have to wonder, and this is great news for many of us who are just starting out in our walk with God. But it also ought to be a reminder to many of us who've been walking with the Lord. Isn't it good news that I don't have to say just the right words for God to hear my prayer? Isn't that great? 
That's encouraging tonight. I can just talk to him. Or, or I don't have to say the right combination. Or I don't have to say it the right number of times. God is saying, I'm not a superstitious God. I'm not just a made-up, fanciful God. I am a real, living, personal God. I'm not playing games with you. I care about you. Isn't that great? And he expresses that care in these verses. He said, let me tell you how much I care about you. In verse 8, he says... God cares so much about you and about me. He is so in tune to your life. It's not that you have to get his attention by saying a bunch of meaningless words. Actually, he says in verse 8, he's paying so much attention to my life that he already knows what I'm going to say before I even said it. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you can't be paying more attention than that, can you? Even before it comes out of my mouth, God already knows that's pretty attentive isn't it there's another verse in psalm 139 verse 4 it says the very same thing it says even before there is a word and psalm 139 is a great passage that describes friend listen if you struggle with intimacy with god psalm 139 is a great passage that describes for us how intimate god is with us he says even before there is a word on my tongue behold this is amazing he says Behold, Lord, you know it all. It's incredible, isn't it? Friend, he cares for you. He loves you. And if you put your trust in him, you can have confidence. You can pray with confidence. Not God, I hope so. Not God, maybe so. Not one day. But God hears your prayers. Praise his name. Amen? No guessing. No wondering, no frustration. But you know what's interesting? Even borderline sad, there are many churches, listen, this, isn't this odd? There are many churches that have taught that the very prayer that we are studying, the Lord's Prayer, there are many churches that have taught that we're supposed to repeat this very word, this very prayer, over and over again. And many times, almost in a superstitious way. Isn't that odd? In the very passage where Jesus said, don't do this, we take that very prayer and we've repeated it over and over again. In fact, I've heard people say, you know what? I went to a religious school when I was growing up. And if you ran down the hall or if you punched somebody or you know, did something you weren't supposed to do, you hope that a certain uh, teacher or a certain leader in that school didn't catch you. Because if this teacher caught you, they might make you do like two or three Our Fathers. Okay. But if this teacher caught you, they'd make you do 20 Our Fathers. And what they're talking about is they're, 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 the, the Our Father, that's the way many people uh, describe this prayer here. Basically, there's this idea that if you pray this a couple of three times, then God will forgive you for that mean thing you did. See the superstition in that? You see the, the, the capriciousness of that? How, who decides, right? Who decides? How do we know? Was three enough? Or was 20 enough? Jesus said, we don't have to do that. One great Bible teacher said, to repeat a form of prayer a very large number of times has always seemed to some to be a praiseworthy thing. But surely it is not. It is absurd to imagine that such a parrot exercise can be pleasing to the living God. Let us not be superstitious in our prayer life. Do you ever wonder... If God hears your prayers, you know what the Bible says? 
If you come to him through his son, Jesus Christ, if you put your trust in Jesus, you can have confidence. God is so in tune to you. He knows even before you got it out of your mouth. Isn't that amazing? Now, some of you, I do want to say, some of you are thinking, aren't you? Saying, well, okay, well, that brings up another question. If he, if he knows it before it even comes out of my mouth, why should I pray if God already knows? Right? I know some of you are thinking, right? All right, well, there's a lot we could say, but I'm going to say two things, okay? The first reason is obedience. He told you to pray. Okay, you don't have to figure it out. <laughs> he told you to pray. The second reason is relationship. Hey, listen, God's point was not for me to inform him about anything, right? That's not the point of prayer. God already knew before I opened my mouth. That's what it says, right? But somehow in our relationship with God, he desires, he doesn't need it. He desires for us to have that communication with him. Just because he knows what we're going to say doesn't take away from the fact that we said it. Amen? Okay, so, so I think most of the reason is because of obedience, he just said to, and relationship. Listen, we try to make things so complicated, complicated sometimes as Christians. Jesus is not making a philosophical point in these verses. All he's saying in verse 8 is, listen, you don't have to worry about me. I care so much about you, even before you, you, just, you, just, you were just about to say it. I was paying so much attention, I already knew what you were going to say. Let's don't make it complicated, amen? He's just saying, I love you. You can pray with confidence, but also, and you kind of hear what we're talking about, you can pray intimately. Look at verse, uh, verse 9. The first part of verse 9. Jesus says, listen, don't use that meaningless repetition. Don't just babble on. Don't just use a bunch of words that don't mean anything like the nations do, like the religions of the world do. Your Father knows. He sees what you need before you ask Him. But He says, pray them in this way. Our Father. Pray intimately is what I want to talk to you about now. We might even could say pray personally. You know, sometimes people say to me, well, Pastor Robbie, you know, you want to talk to me about a relation, my relationship with God, but my relationship with God is a very private matter. Well, I would agree that our relationship with God is a very personal thing, isn't it? It's a very personal matter. But God never intended for my relationship with him to be private. He expects us to go public. And Matthew 10 says, you know, if I'm not willing to confess Jesus before men, how am I going to expect him to confess that I'm his son, that I'm his child, that he's given his life for me before the father? So we're supposed to be public. It's not supposed to be a private thing, but he does want it to be personal. Now, now's where we're getting into the prayer itself. I said we were going to get into that. In verse 9, we're getting to the very first part of this prayer. And there's a couple things I want to notice. Jesus says, pray then. He's given some lead up to how we're to pray. He says, pray then like this. Remember what I said, according to Jesus, this is an example of how to approach God. This is maybe we would say even a model for how to approach God. In fact, some people who've studied this prayer have said that if you look at this prayer and the things that we're talking about, the things that we're learning, that most, if not all, of the major elements of our relationship with God are found in this prayer. Isn't that kind of cool? I mean, only God can condense kind of a summary of our relationship with him in just a few verses. Amen? That's what he did. And you know what's kind of cool? That's why I encourage you to be taking notes during this series. Listen, we're going to have four messages in this series. 
And every message is going to have several different components. You know what? After two or three messages, you're going to forget people. But take these down. You know what? In some sense, what we're studying could be a lifetime worth of study. Do you know that? What we're learning about prayer, you could chew on for the rest of your life in some sense. That's the way God's made. It's a model prayer. It's a springboard for the rest of our prayer life. He says, pray then like this. He says, our Father. Now, I'm not going to spend as much time on this first thing, but I do notice something. Did you notice that Jesus uses all throughout this prayer, if you know the Lord's Prayer, he uses the first person plural all throughout it. Now, what does that mean? He says, our Father. He says, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive who? Forgive us of our trespasses. You know what? That just kind of says to me, and people who have this idea of that I'm a Christian and I'm the Lone Ranger, I just kind of, me and God, we're on our own. That's not the way of the Bible. The way of the Bible is, you know, we're part of a family, aren't we? We're part of a group. It's not just me and God. It's me and God, yes, praise His name. I've got a personal relationship with Him. But when I'm with God, I'm with who? I'm with you guys. i got a family. What I want to focus on more, though, is He tells us that we should call God our Father. Romans chapter 8, verse 15, shows us that the word that Jesus is using there for Father was actually representing the Aramaic idea of Abba. Okay? Now, some of you may have heard this before, but actually, now listen to this. Actually, that term in English could probably be translated, Dear Daddy. Isn't that amazing? Now, think about your view of God. You know, this is difficult for some of us because some of us didn't have a close relationship with our dad. But you know what? God wants to minister to you. God wants you to have a father. God wants you to have a dear daddy. Isn't that cool? Somebody said about this that the use of this intimate term for God was virtually unparalleled in first century Judaism. In other words, to think of God so intimately and personally was very foreign to them. What Jesus was saying, listen to this, Christians should consider our Lord like we would the most loving of parents here on this earth. Maybe you didn't have a loving parent. I hope you did. Maybe you didn't have a loving parent, but have you ever seen one? Have you ever seen somebody that just loved their kids, that did the right thing for their kids, that... That, that, that did the things to, to point them in the right direction, that cared about them, that sacrificed for them, you are getting a glimpse of the way God wants us to see him. As awesome and mighty as God is, and we're going to talk about that here in just a moment, the Bible says you are his child. You're close to him. You have complete access to him. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says this, Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, when I was thinking about this this week, again, we're going to talk about God's holiness and the bigness and the awesomeness of God here in just a moment. But when you think about it for just a moment, sometimes we, we don't realize it, but we have access. It's almost like being the, the children of the President of the United States. Don't you think the children of the President have some secret things, secret passageways? Or they have some code words that only they can say? And they can go right to the Oval Office. What do you think? You think they can? You think they got a special cell phone or something? Some way to get through to their dad? Hey, dad, I want to see you. 
He could be on the line with a with the leader of another nation. Wow. And he's fixing chocolate milk for his kids. Do you see God like that? He is almighty, powerful God. But you are his precious son or daughter. Pray intimately. You know what? For some of us, that's hard. But I pray that God would just minister to your heart tonight. You know what? It may just be words right now for you, right? It it may be hard for you to imagine. I don't know what intimate relationships are like, Pastor. I don't understand that. I've never experienced that. But friend, I want to tell you something. I'm... It breaks God's heart that you haven't experienced that on a human level, but that human level would have just been a picture of what he has for you anyway. He wants to minister to you, and as you grow in him and your relationship with him, you will more and more experience that tender intimacy with your heavenly Father. Pray confidently, pray intimately, but then the last part of verse 9, he tells us to pray reverently. Verse uh, 9, it says, pray then in this way. Our Father, which one? Which one? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. The Bible says, yeah, you can have confidence. Yeah, we can be intimate with him, but he is not our buddy. You ever heard anybody call God the man upstairs? Excuse me? When we come before God, Each time, we ought to remind ourselves, now wait just a minute, who is this I'm talking to? I got to tell you, I praise the Lord. I have never came up here to speak to you guys, not one time with three and four services a weekend for 10 years. I have never came up here and just felt like I was just talking to you about some topic. There is something about being in God's presence, amen? Amen. There is something special about us gathering for worship. There is something special about us having that alone time with him every day. And when we ought to have a sense, it ought to be so strong that for a moment, it's just like that song I can only imagine, right? Am I going to be dancing? I can see that. God loves me. He's got a crazy love, as somebody said, crazy kind of love for us. I can see that intimacy, just dancing with joy and him allowing that in his presence. But you know what? I can see a whole lot of, Robbie, keep your mouth shut and get down as low as you can go. We ought to just for a moment think to ourselves, what business do I have here? Now, very quickly, we ought to be reminded of our confidence and our intimacy, right? We just talked about that. So we don't need to be shamed or ashamed or or feel guilty. There's, There's therefore now Romans 8, no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Good news, right? But still, just for a moment, I ought to say to myself, who... Do I think I am? I cannot take for granted the greatness of my God. We need to have a healthy understanding of his eminence and his transcendency. Now, what, those are just kind of big words to say his eminence means he is with us. But his transcendence means he goes pretty far beyond us. Amen. He transcends the universe. For some people, God is so big, he would never deal with me, ever. You know what that person needs to hear tonight? You can approach God as your heavenly father. For other people, they'd say, yeah, me and Jesus, we're tight. He's my buddy. Now, those people need to remember, he is also fall on your face holy. 
Jesus says here that God is our father, but he is the one in the heavens. I heard some thunder. Amen. Boom. And that our desire should be that his name be hallowed. Now, if you sing it, you have to say hallowed. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I don't sing it. That's why he's saying hallowed. Okay. <laughs> his name is to be hallowed. This little kid came to his mom and said, Mom, why does God have two names? She says, well, what do you mean, honey? She said, well, at church, they said that his name was Art. And his name was Howard. She said, well, honey, when did they say that? He said, well, they said, well, our father, who art in heaven, Howard be your name. <laughs> Seriously, though, what? It's, it's somebody, okay, it's just sort of ripple effect. It's getting to the back now. <clears throat> it's not Howard. It's hallowed, Okay. It means holy. Our Father, who art in heaven. Now listen, friends. Listen, I pray. Hey, listen. We talked about this in the first study, or in the first message last week. We're not saying that you can never repeat the Lord's Prayer. Wouldn't it sound weird to say the model prayer can't ever be repeated? That's not what we're saying, right? What we're saying is that it should not be repeated over and over again with no meaning. Okay, so, you know, actually, many times in my prayer time with the Lord, I will actually think about the Lord's prayer, especially when you ever have those times where you're not sure what to say. You can't think of anything. Okay, well, this is a great springboard. Like I said, you can start praying the Lord's prayer. And if you think of these principles that we're that we're talking about, it will enhance your prayer life and your relationship with the Lord. Okay, so when I say my father, our father, the one who's in the heavens, I hear that thunder. I think about how big he is. But then I say, and maybe change it, Don't not that you're changing God's word, but the translation, hallowed, I don't use the word hallowed very often. How about you? So how about holy? Our Father, the one who's in the heavens, holy is your name. Now I'm starting to think, how about you? Maybe even take it a step further, because holy... Sounds awfully religious sometimes. I mean, we kind of we kind of compartmentalize churchy words. So I think of it as special, or, or or set apart, or different. God, you're not like anybody else. So you hear how that changes your prayer? Our Father, the one who's in heaven, God, you're the most special in all the world. God, there is none like you. That's sounding kind of biblical, isn't it? That's like some Isaiah stuff, isn't it? There's nobody like you, God, nothing. I, I've experienced a lot in life, God, and nothing compares to you. That's what we're saying. We're saying, God, you are not normal. You are not usual. You are almighty. You are holy. We value you and your name because his name represents who? Represents him. His name represents all that he is. So God, I value you. I lift you up. I see you as different than anything or anyone else in my life. Wouldn't that change your prayer? Your prayer time? Let me challenge you with some ways to make God's name holy. First of all, watch how you treat his name in everyday life. Now guys, I've got to be honest with you. I hear many people, actually I hear many Christians who use God's name very loosely. And I don't think they mean to. That extreme makeover show, our you know, Sunday night, our kids come home from Moana and we like to watch that show. It's kind of fun to watch. But I just cringe every time the people come home and Oma, 
I can't even say it. I'm not going to use the Lord's name lightly. Oh my. And they use the Lord's name. That was just like, oh my, oh my. What does that tell you? It is not important. Amen. When they're saying, I don't think they're meaning anything by it. Most people, but that's the problem. They're not meaning anything by it. We ought to treat the Lord's name with such weight and such heaviness that I would not dare even say his name. In fact, the Jewish people were so protective of God's name, they would not even pronounce it. They used, they call it the tetragrammaton, which this is a big, you know, uh, theology word for basically saying the four letters. Okay, that's what it means. They would use Y-H-W-H without the vowels so they couldn't pronounce it. That's how they would write God's name. They were, they, they were so concerned about using God's name in vain, they wouldn't even pronounce his proper name. They came up with some other names to refer to him as that were kind of side names so they could protect what they considered his proper name. Isn't that amazing? Now, some of you, that makes you nervous. You know, is that legalism? Oh, I can't say certain things. No, it's respect for Almighty God. There, there is nobody like him. Whose name do I watch like that? Amen. Whose name do I pronounce? I would not dare take this name who represents this God. I would not dare take that lightly. That's what we're saying. Secondly, when you pray, focus on God first, then make your requests. That's how you can make his name holy. Now, we've learned, we know for a fact that God cares and we can present to him our needs. But here's the challenge, friends. Let's be careful about rushing into his presence. You ever do that? I sit down. I want to spend some time with the Lord. Okay, we get over the pleasantries. You know, I say hello, good morning, whatever. And then I'm right in it. Right? I'm right on what I'm concerned about, what I'm worried about for that day, the needs that I have. You know what God has taught me through his word and through listening to other Christians as they pray and, and just watching their example? We should, first of all, when we come in, if you want to make God's name holy, if he is special and unique and different than anyone else, then when you come into his presence, you ought to be a little bit awed. Amen. It ought to be some wow time. There ought to be a pause. There ought to be, God, I just worship you. You're amazing, God. You ought to tell him what he means to you. Praise him. You ought to give him some thanks. And you know what? Acknowledge who he is and what he's done in your life. And in the middle of that, you know what? When you start kind of seeing him a little while, you start kind of, he reflects back to you and you start seeing some things in your life and then some confession happens, doesn't it? After you spend some time with him, you start feeling like, I'm not a lot like you, God. And then I start saying, Lord, please forgive me. He starts working in my heart. Amen. Now, after we've gone through some of that, Now I might be ready. Now I might have the right mindset to pray in accordance with his will. I'll be thinking a lot more like him at that point with his help. Write this down. Some people have used this across the acts. Adoration. Confession. Thanksgiving. Then supplication. Okay, so we adore him. We get our hearts right with him as we spend some time in his presence and we compare ourselves with him. Then we thank him for that forgiveness. We thank him for what he's doing in our life. Then now I begin to present my request. In fact, did you know, if you look at the words of this prayer, isn't it kind of set up that way? Doesn't it focus? If you look at it, you go back. Doesn't it focus on God first? Then it starts talking about us and kind of what he's doing in our life. Did you notice that? That's the way the prayer is set up, the model prayer. We're learning how to pray, aren't we? I am.
Are you? God, just like the disciples, teach me. I don't know how to come to God. Amen? I don't know. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what the right approach is. I don't know, is it okay? I don't know, should I run in? Should I be on my knees? Just like the song, should I be on my knees? Should I? God, I need you to teach me. And I'm really saying that. I've been a Christian for 25 years. But I still feel like I'm in like the maternity ward. Amen? I'm not necessarily proud of that. I need to grow in my prayer life. God's speaking to me. Pray regularly, Robbie. Almost. What did we learn last time? Are you listening? What did we learned last time? He said pray almost constantly, didn't he? He said pray sincerely. Don't be pretending. Don't be putting on, you know, a nicey-nicey face with us or with him. He said pray privately. Do you have a place? Have you been working on that? Do you have a special place for you and God? Isn't that kind of cool? Just you and him. Y'all get off by yourself. And he works in your life. But today, he says pray confidently. Some of us have never heard that before. You mean to tell me. And some people, honestly, when people hear this... When people hear assurance from the Bible, when they hear that talk, sometimes it comes across as arrogance or pride. Okay, that is not what we're saying. What I like to call it, our approach to God is humble confidence. Okay? I mean, I just know I'm a mess, and I need to keep my mouth shut because I have no idea what I'm doing. All right? And I have no right to be in His presence. But you know what? I have confidence because of what Christ did for me. Tonight, you can know that you know that you know that you know that Jesus Christ is in your life. You can know without a, beyond a shadow of doubt, 100%, that you are going to heaven when you die. Your sins, all the wrong that you've done wrong in this life, and everything you ever will do wrong, Jesus Christ is taken care of. And you can know that nothing stands anymore between you and God. That you have confident access to the God of the universe. You can know that. And that he cares so much for you that even he's just he just wait not as if he's dependent on us, but he's just showing his love for us in a in, in a personal kind of way where we can understand on a human level. He says, even while the words are coming out of your mouth, I know what you're going to say. I, I, I care so much about you. Wow. That blows me away. That draws me to pray intimately. What a close relationship. He is my father. If you've had a great dad, if you've had great parent relationships, then it helps you to have a little bit of an understanding. You can say, oh, wow, God is what my parents have been and even more. For those of us who haven't maybe had that kind of close relationship, you can say, God, I don't understand this. I'm drawn to it. I desire it, but you're going to have to teach me. Teach me how to be intimate with you. And the last thing is to pray reverently. God's not my buddy. He's my Savior. He's my King. He's the Lord. He calls the shots. He's got power. He can help me. Amen? Isn't it amazing? All these things that God's teaching us. He is so close to us, but He's way beyond us. Praise His name. Would you bow with me for just a moment? I want us to just think about what God's teaching us about prayer here.
I want to challenge you today, if you're a Christian, are you truly, I mean, the likelihood is, I mean, you go across church leaders, people all through church families, it's just shown over and over again that prayer is the most neglected part of our spiritual walk. So I'm pretty confident tonight that God would want to challenge each one of us. What is he saying to you, child of God? Is he wanting to minister to you? Because there's aspects of what we're learning tonight that you've never heard or, or maybe God's speaking to you in a fresh way. He's ministering to your heart. He is your father. And you need, for, you need to kind of draw in close tonight. You need to come in and just lay, lay up on his chest and say, God, thank you that you love me. Maybe you've been casual with the Lord. God's saying, wait a second now. Do you realize who I am? I am the Lord. You know, praise the Lord. There's no condemnation if we're in Christ. Praise the Lord. We have confidence. But that's not a license to live like we want to. In fact, if we truly have experienced the life-changing power of Jesus Christ, we want every part of our lives to honor him. And I just want to ask you tonight, is God ministering to your heart? Is he speaking to you tonight? There's something he wants to change in your heart, in your life. And friend, if you're here tonight and you've never personally received the gift of eternal life, that's where it all begins. We cannot have, the Bible says there's a blockage, there's a wall between us and God. We cannot have that until Jesus Christ tears it down. So well, why doesn't he? Well, because he's waiting for you to receive his gift. He's made it possible. He's paid the price. The only thing waiting is for you to say yes and to trust him. Would you do that tonight? Would you just say, dear Jesus, please forgive me. Please come into my life and wash my sins away and be my savior. Lord, tonight I thank you that you're teaching me, you're teaching us. God, as a family, as your family, I pray, God, that this is not just a study we do. I pray that we don't just get some good notes and think we know a lot. I pray that truly you're changing our hearts and our lives through this time together. And I pray in these next few moments that you'd be honored with the decisions that we make to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand together with me? We're going to close out the service with a song. Pastor Jeff's going to lead us in. Hey, listen, we're not wrapping up yet, okay? Let's not zip up our coats and our Bible covers and all that kind of thing. You know what? That sends a message to the person sitting next to you that everything's over. And maybe God's wanting to change somebody's life. It's not over yet. God is speaking to your heart. You can call out to Him on your own or if you need some help with that. If you need somebody to pray with you, if you're ready to make a decision, if you've come to our discovery class, know God's calling you to unite together with this church family, whatever it might be. In a few weeks, we're going to have about five to seven people that are going to be baptized, publicly declaring that they are followers of Jesus. Maybe God's calling you to do that. Why don't you jump on the bandwagon with the rest of them and just let's just make it a great weekend in a few weeks of celebrating the Lord and what he's done for us. Whatever God's speaking to your heart about right now is a great time to do it.